Well, good morning. It's great to be with you, Salem Heights Church family and any of our guests. If you are first time with us, we are so glad that you've joined us for church this morning. And you can find more information about our church by visiting our website, SalemHeightsChurch.org. For our church family, uh, hopefully you've seen this week some of our information regarding our strategy for resuming gatherings here at the church. If you haven't seen that information or that update, you can find it on our church website. But make sure you check that out. Uh, it gives information about how we're going to approach gatherings going forward. And uh, we encourage you to continue to pray for our church leadership as we seek God's wisdom and how we should approach that. But we are excited for the opportunity to be reopening as a county and then slowly reopening as a church. Well, we're really glad that you've joined us this morning, and we hope that you have your friends or family around you uh, as we begin to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, good morning, Salem Heights. Welcome here, guests. We're so glad that you've joined us today. Uh, we are going to worship together before we hear from God's Word. And uh, I was thinking about this um, account that happens where Jesus is talking and, uh, and he's walking with his disciples and he's telling them hard things. He's talking about what's about to happen to him. This is right before he is crucified and before, before he comes back to life and then uh, ascends to the Father. And so he's talking about these things and they aren't understanding, they're not quite getting it. He starts to have to talk in plain language and this is what he says. He says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace, for you will have suffering in this world, so be courageous, I have conquered the world. And so his promises were true then, they are true today, that no matter what we face, God is in control. So we, we're gonna sing these songs, we're gonna worship together, uh, together uh, in a way that is going to glorify him and remind one another of his truth. So let's do that now. Jesus 
compare and we are so thankful that you are in control of all things everything that is here is your creation and you've got your finger on it you know what is happening and we're so thankful for that we're thankful for your son who came and he laid down his life for us that we might know you that you might see us as righteous you see us the way that you see your son that great exchange our righteousness our sin for his righteousness. What an exchange. And we are thankful for that today. We would pray that you'd help us now as we hear from your word to be changed as a result so that we might walk in the ways that you might want us to walk. Thank you so much for loving us and caring about us and pray that you'd help us now as we hear from your word. In Christ's precious name we pray. Amen.
Well, good morning, church. It's great to be with you again this morning and, and perhaps uh, with uh, multiple households meeting together this morning. Um, we are super excited to uh, be able to take our time now and focus on the Word of God for a few moments. So if you have your Bible, I want you to grab it or turn it on and find Romans chapter 14. That's where we're going to start today. But Pastor Justin, um, it's great to be with you. We're, we're in our, our auditorium this morning, yeah. and uh, being able to record in here is, is fun, but it, it causes me to look around this, this empty room and just really long uh, for the day where we're going to be able to meet with our folks again. And, um, but, you know, I know you had a couple updates for us yeah. as we start our morning. Well, well and, and on that note, being in this empty room, I mean, literally, as we're preparing uh, for this message, we're dealing with the echo in the room because yeah. there's no bodies in here. Right. And so, yeah, we miss all those folks. Uh, the update is about the uh, pictures that we had people do. We've had everybody sending them in. This is the last week to submit those photos to the website. Uh, and we do have a prize for your kids. And I think you'll see uh, next week why we've been withholding that prize uh, from uh, sharing that with you, but next week we'll uh, we'll have a prize for every single family that has participated, uh, and we'll have that for you here at the church. But if you have been growing something, attempting to grow something, and you've been talking about that process of growth with your kids, send those pictures in uh, to SalemHeightsChurch.org or send them in to, to me at uh, JustinG at SalemHeightsChurch.org, and we'll make sure that those pictures get posted and um, you're part of that prize patrol right but this is the week well and that whole uh, project was to provide opportunities for parents to talk with their kids about yeah. the process of growing and how God prepares the soil and, and and making that spiritual connection and I know that you mentioned too that the prize has an element that will provide parents with another opportunity yeah so. yeah the prize we've held back just uh, for practical reasons uh, but also we want to continue the spiritual discussions yeah so well, Pastor Justin, our county, um, our state um, is starting to open up a little bit. And uh, earlier this week, we were able to share with our church our strategy for uh, gathering and how we're going to approach reopening yeah. our church. And this morning, um, there is a good possibility that there are several households, families, uh, individuals who have uh, prayerfully considered and agreed to get together to watch. And so... I'm sure that's an exciting time, but in our preparation this week, that kind of led us to maybe uh, we decided to pause our series, Who Do You Think You Are, and speak to some things this morning um, that are going to help us as a church enter into this process. And I thought maybe you could kind of just share a little bit, kind of set up our morning, where we're going to be headed. Yeah, because what we've been talking about are areas that we should be, while we're isolated, focusing on so we can be ready to come back together having grown. Mm -hmm. uh, but what we want to do this week is just begin to remind ourselves and then the people that we begin to meet with of the ethic that we need to have when we are in a group together. And as we were talking, we really felt that one of the things that we were concerned about was that we would come in and either the Lord's been at work in you or you've been alone and separated. Maybe it's possible that there is an agitation or a burr or uh, you, know, you have been separated from other people that have given you input in the past. Whatever the case may be, we need to mindfully get ready to rejoin society and our congregational worship. We wanted to set the tone for that. And I think it's important to just remind our folks that uh, as we encouraged families to prayerfully consider getting together, 
that this was not an expectation we placed on them, just an invitation. Yeah. We know that for some families right now or households, it, it would be actually pretty difficult to start meeting with others. But I do think this morning, um, the message and the text we're gonna look at, uh, is it gonna be some good principles and reminders that yeah. whenever it is yep. uh, safe and appropriate for families to start to gather or for, for households to start to venture out, these principles will be applicable even then. Yeah, yeah, and the title of our message is, It's Going to Take Work. Yeah. We're not just gonna spring out of our homes and go back into normal life and everything's gonna be okay. There's a lot of aspects that will take work. Yeah. We wanna be applying diligence to our time together as well. Yeah. Well, we're gonna be in Romans chapter 14, starting in verse 13, but before I read our passage this morning, we are jumping into the middle of a New Testament letter. And so I thought maybe you could just take a moment to kind of set us up where we're at in the context of what Paul's been writing maybe in chapter 13 and now yeah. the first part of 14. Yeah, so in Romans, what we've uh, even talked about as a church during this season is that Paul is laying out all these great theological themes mm -hmm. all the way through the book of Romans. Uh, it is a significant work. And um, he comes to Romans chapter 13, and he's been building uh, how we should respond, what are the, what's the outflow of the heart. He talks about everything from... How did uh, you recognize your salvation to God's work in your life, the expectation God has for you in this Christian life, the freedom that you have, the confidence that you can have in right, your salvation. Right. And he gets to Romans chapter 13 and, and starts talking about submitting to government authorities. Mm. And, and I think that at this point, Paul, out of everything else, he knows he's been hitting nerves, but he knows he's hit a nerve. As <laughs> soon as you say that, for 2,000 years, people have explained that passage away. Well, yeah, but... And then they begin to say why it doesn't apply. So he goes into chapters 14 and 15 to say, remember that all of this is not about you. Yeah. It is about the Lord. And all of this is not about your experience, but collectively, how do you give up of yourself, submit to others, serve others, bless others the way that Christ submitted to the cross, served us and blesses yeah. us and the world. And so he's trying to get us to get in the same frame of mind that Christ has as we are serving, and it's a pretty important discussion, but he knows chapter 14 and 15 have to follow the discussion about obey your governing authorities, because we're gonna rankle at that, yeah. and we all do. Right, and so um, chapter 14, starting in verse 13, it says this, therefore, let us no longer judge one another. Instead, decide never to put a stumbling block or pitfall in the way of your brother or sister. I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. Still, to someone who considers a thing to be unclean, to that one it is unclean. For if your brother or sister is hurt by what you eat, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy by what you eat someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let your good be slandered. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever serves Christ in this way is acceptable to God and receives human approval. So then, let us pursue what promotes peace and what builds up one another. Do not tear down God's work because of food. Everything is clean, but it is wrong to make someone fall by what he eats. It is a good thing not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that makes your brother or sister stumble. Whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. For whoever doubts stands condemned if he eats, because he's eating is not from faith, and everything that is not from faith is sin. Now, we who are strong have an obligation to bear the weaknesses of those without strength, and not to please ourselves. 
Each one of us is to please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself. On the contrary, as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. Yeah, that's a profound passage. And what we can pick up from this as we um, begin our study is that Paul has entered into an illustration that he's using one specific instance in order to, to cover a broader context, yeah. a broader discussion. But he's yeah. talking about eating and drinking food. And in particular, uh, idols that would be set up in the marketplace. Some would sacrifice before the idol and hoping to gain money by mm -hmm. selling that or even a sacrifice that had been, this person is saying, I'm offering this to that God, but I can sell the meat later on. So they do a, a barbecue on behalf of some other foreign God. And people coming in would say, oh, I can't eat that. It's yeah. been sacrificed. Paul says they don't have any power. There's nothing in that that could actually uh, negatively. If you're hungry and you need to eat, you're actually clean. But if you're walking along with somebody else who is quickened in their conscience about that and says, mm -hmm. oh, I can't do that, you should not eat it for their sake. Yeah. And he's having that discussion to say, not just, hey, I want to legalistically talk about food for a moment. He's saying, I want you to, to get a bigger picture about the spirit you should have when you're walking with a brother and sister in Christ who has a little different frame of reference than you do. Yeah, how applicable is that, right? Yeah. Now in our culture and so society important. and as a church. And so there's a, a key point or like a key statement in the text in verse 19 that kind of sets up yeah. what should be the overarching principle when we get together. What is that? Well, and, and what we noticed as we were studying that is he says, therefore, and he has a summary statement. And then in verse 19, so then, and then in chapter 15, verse 1, now we. These are all summary statements saying, I made a strong conclusion. Did you get it? Yeah. I made a strong conclusion. Did you get it? He says it's three different ways. And the one that stood out to us here is in verse 19, it says, so then, I've given you my point. Let us pursue what promotes peace and what builds up one another. Mm. Um, this so then is attached to a statement that it's going to take energy. That word for pursuit there has the idea that I've gotten up off the couch and I'm actively pursuing something. Um, it is possible to see things come before you. It's possible to have others bring things into your purview. If you're pursuing a meal, the implication of that you know verbiage there is I'm actually the one that is out seeking that out. I'm not waiting for it just to land in my lap. So there's energy that is involved. And Paul says, this is going to take work. Yeah. It's going to take energy for you to follow through. And so there's definitely a feel as we start to gather together in smaller groups yeah. and start to work towards coming together, uh, Lord willing, soon as a, a larger congregation, there's going to be a feel to these gatherings. Yeah. Um, it's going to either feel like, oh, we were kind of joking around, yeah. it's going to feel like when people come into your home or you go to their home, you're either going to feel like you've stuck your hand in a bucket of crabs yeah. or a, in a box of puppies. Yeah, that's, that, that's super important because when we were discussing that, we were talking about the fact that uh, you, you stick your hand in a bucket of crabs, you're just going to get pinched and you come out smelling funky, right? Okay, so the, the puppies, though, you have a box of puppies there. Everybody loves puppies. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of work, but you actually love the process. Right of engaging with them. But it is possible to get into a group and everybody's just rankled, chippy, bothered about something, or they, they just use that opportunity to air all their grievances or pick at one another. That's not enjoyable. And so what Paul is talking about here is an ethic that will actually guide you to where you are enjoyable to be around and it promotes God's best and it actually takes work and a strong spine. You have to make some strong decisions 
It's not a weak position, it's a strong one, but you need to move forward and aggressively make sure that when you are together with other people, it is a good experience. Yeah. Box of puppies is hard to hate, right? <laughs> right? It's a real wonderful thing. So it's gonna take us planning and thinking carefully about how do we want to approach this because yeah. it is gonna take some work. And right now we're in a season of heightened opinions, heightened beliefs, there's a lot of emotions involved. We want to make sure that we approach gathering together in these yeah. small groups rightly so that it doesn't hinder us from actually the purpose of that, which yeah. is worship and hearing God's word and discussing that and growing together. So I know there are three things that we see here in the text that are uh, uh, points or guidelines that we could listen to and apply to our groups that are going to help us uh, be successful in worshiping together. So. What's yeah. the first one we see? Well, and I, and I think there were three observations that the text says, and as we were reading it, we stopped and we're like, what? Right. Does it really say that? Yeah. yeah, and it impacted me as I was studying it. Yeah. So the first one is in verse 20. After he says, let us pursue what promotes peace. So we, we need to work hard to promote peace and to edify other people around us. Yeah. First thing, <laughs> right out of the gate, he says, so do not tear down God's work because of food. Everything is clean but it's wrong to make someone fall or by what he eats. It is actually wrong to ask them to go against their conscience. That phrase, do not tear down God's work because of food. So you have a freedom, now pick a freedom. This, this food and drink discussion always gets brought up in other contexts, right. but, but just imagine for a moment that you have this freedom that is yours and, and you decide I'm gonna go ahead and just prove that I have this freedom. He actually says here, do not tear down God's work. That, you gotta pause and think about how could I actually be undoing what God has intended? Mm. That is the, the thing for me. I can actually, by a decision I've made, undo what God has been busy doing. We, right now in this season, have heard from many people. We actually had somebody uh, come to the church and, and uh, stop by and say, hey, I have a, an, an offering for the church, but I've never been to your church, been listening online. Uh, if you're that person, we're so glad that you're <laughs> here. You impacted us. Yeah. But they said, uh, I, I want to come and join you when you're open again. Mm. So I began to imagine in my head, well, what if this person is coming from outside of the faith? Or what if they are, have been a long time away from the Lord and they're saying, man, I just need him in my life or they're just they're curious from the outside and we get together yeah. in the room and what they run into is not a bunch of people worshiping the Lord and mm -hmm. focused on Jesus and saying I want to make sure that I'm submitting myself to him what if they instead run into a bunch of people that are heavy on opinion irritated yeah. talking about all the things they want to fix you can actually cause that person to say well I think I'm hungry for the Lord but I don't want that and the very meeting they need to grow or connect or feel like that they have a place, we would undo that process by the way that we present. Yeah. And it could undo the work of God. Well, I'm reminded that God reaches out for every person. And so there yeah. are some people that have been maybe trapped in fear or maybe taking a real strict view of something. And God is in a process with the Spirit of God of softening that heart, yeah. giving them a spiritual perspective and bringing them more to right conclusions. And on the other side, you might have God reaching out to that person who is uh, really taking li Christian liberty and freedom to the yeah. nth degree. And God, through the Spirit of God, is beginning to convict and challenge that person to bring them in and, and having them both be aware that their actions yeah. impact other people. 
ultimately, in the end, faith is not fragile. It will grow into something strong. It gives you a strong purpose, a strong direction. You can have confidence in that God. But in the formation stages, it can be a thing that can be undone. Mm -hmm. I had a picture in my mind as we were doing this about somebody working on cement. So you have this thing, a carport you're, you're making, and you're going to be able to park on that, right? So you've got a minimum of four-inch thick cement. It's got rebar or whatever in it. But when you first pour that, they put up signs that say, caution, wet cement. Why? It's still forming. It's still getting hardened into the right shape so that it becomes useful. And at that stage, you can actually undo all of the hard work. Whereas if you're careful, it settles into the right place and you don't want to undo that hard work. You had an illustration from uh, Craig Groeschel actually about what he experienced when he was first drawn to Christ. Yeah, so Craig Groeschel is a pastor in Oklahoma, has a, a really large ministry there. And, um, but he, wasn't a, he didn't grow up in a Christian home and actually was known for more for of a partying lifestyle in college. The Lord radically saves his life. And he writes in one of his books about his uh, first Sunday after getting saved, he's excited to go to church. Yeah. So he goes to the, the best looking church in town, the one that looks like that's where I need to go. And he puts on his best, which is yeah. like a wrinkly t-shirt and his khakis and his penny loafers, he said. And so he gets excited, he gets there, gets out of the car, walks up, and from the moment he got there, though, the people who were the Christians, the, the man who opened the door, the usher inside, just began to look at him and begin to criticize that he wasn't dressed up enough yeah. and, and were reluctant to give him a bulletin. And then he went into this empty room um, and he sat down and somebody came up to him and said, you're sitting in my seat and made him move. And he just said, he, like, he's like, he left church, he got back into his car and he began to wonder, he's like, I'm so excited about Jesus. Yeah. And yet what I just saw there, like it, something's not adding up here because yeah. it doesn't reflect what I've been told about him. And just it just it was a good illustration. And the, his point is being we need to be careful um, in how we act and, and how we approach Christianity and and how we try to judge other people. Yeah, because we can actually hinder them in their pursuit of growing in the Lord. And so we need to be careful not to become the, the voice of the Spirit of God in their life. Let the Spirit of God speak for Himself and yeah. let us come alongside people in a way that is pursuing unity and building each other up. It's, uh, that's an a important uh, point. We actually summed it up by saying we need to care before we share. Right. Think through what you're about to say, express, or focus on before you share it in yeah. the group. So it's important yeah. for our groups to uh, be careful in, in planning and so that they can join the work of God, not tear it down. Uh, but what's our second point? Second one is that it takes careful planning to maintain a clean conscience. Mm. And that one was out of uh, 422. Yeah, it says, whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. And this is the key statement. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. Yeah, and this was actually for us, a, a, we were really working through n not just what does it say to the individual, but what does it say to the group? Like how can uh, the group be able to consider what this role is? Paul has been walking through this entire chapter talking about food and freedoms. Yeah. You may be free to do something, but it may not be what is best for the other people. And it's about personal constraint. I'm not going to participate in X for the sake of my brother. And there are things that you can eat or things that you drink that you may have a freedom to do, but if you participate in that, it's gonna harm another brother. And so if we just focus on our freedoms, we can, we can be right in the room. 
say, hey, we're actually free to do this. Let me show you legally why we're free. We're no longer under legalism. We're, you know, under grace. And we have all of these discussions that we have in the room. But what Paul is speaking to here when he says, blessed is he whose heart does not condemn him by what he approves. He's talking about when I lay my head down on the pillow at night, though, the Spirit of God comes whispering to me saying, was that really what you needed to do? Did, did you really edify them? Did you really think about them and where they're coming from? What's their background? Why do they have those convictions? And you begin to think about another person. And he says, this is, this is the sentence that's coming in his mind. My heart will all of a sudden begin to condemn me, even though I'm condoning it. Or it might even be, in God's eyes, okay to condone it. Yeah. He's not talking about doing something that's out of bounds in Scripture. Yeah. He's just saying, are you actively about something that could offend or wound your brother or sister? Right. So we see that word blessed there is, is happy or at peace or settled yeah. is the person who does that. And then we've all had moments where, again, it's not about, about what we said or if we were right, but it's that conviction that we get that, man, I didn't handle that right, or maybe it wasn't the right time. Yeah. Um, that, I, yeah, that person's going to need to know these truths, or that person's going to need to make a decision, or that person's going to need to be course corrected. But right now, they're not really in a space to be able yeah. to handle that. I need to be careful about that. That's yeah. Corey Tenboom talks about when she was a little girl and she was with her dad um, before World War II hit. She just was talking about the ethic of the man that she um, so appreciated. Yeah. And he was with her. They were on a train. They were going through Amsterdam and Amsterdam was becoming what Amsterdam was, right? And right. so uh, these guys were talking about some pursuits that they were going to be about in the city that were not appropriate. Right. And little Corey Tenboom at that time, a little girl, uh, is hearing some words about what these men were going to go pursue when they were in the city, and she didn't know what they were, what mm -hmm. they meant. And so everybody clears off, and she looks up at her dad, and she says, Dad, what, what were these men talking about? What were those words? I don't know those activities. Yeah. Could you explain them to me? And he looks down at their suitcase that they had packed all their stuff in, and in including some of the clock parts that he was uh, selling while he was there. And he said, uh, Corey, would you pick that up and carry it for me to the end of the platform? And she tries to pick it up and it's really heavy. And she just looks at him and says, Dad, this is too heavy for me. And he mm. goes, so is this discussion. Mm. Someday you'll be able to carry it. But at this point, it is not appropriate for me to burden you with those things. Yeah. And so he was thinking about his child in that moment saying, yeah, we'll have that discussion, but not now. Yeah. And it's possible that you may be right about something or you may even be able to help disciple somebody to a, a, a right view of something down the road. But the Lord says the spirit, the ethic you need to have is, is it critical for you to have that right right now? Mm. If not, you give up for the sake of another. Don't have your heart condemn you yeah. by your pushing your pursuits. Right. And so our summary statement for this point is that the best pillow is a clean conscience. Yeah. When you sleep well at night, it's because you're not worried about what did I say, right. what did I do, how did I act. And so we need to be careful on this, thinking through, um, getting together. There's a good chance that the people that we begin to gather with at first are people that are going to be like-minded. Yeah. But it's also possible that God's going to continue to put us in environments where we're going to interact with people who might have a, a different opinion. Yeah. And so we do need to be thoughtful in how we approach that uh, with care for the other person rather than just focus on our own beliefs. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's one more uh, guideline that kind of stood out to us from this passage. Yeah, the third one is it takes careful planning to be thick-skinned. And this is where we talk about Christ in 15, 1 and 3. Yeah. It says, Now we who are strong have an obligation to bear the weaknesses of those without strength, 
and not to please ourselves. Each one of us is to please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself. On the contrary, as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. Yeah, this is, and what we did was we took a look at this and we had three characters that may be sitting in the room listening, right? Yeah. Uh, we've been in quarantine, and so parts of our personality that, uh, that you know, get to grow and stretch a little bit when we're not challenged by being in community with other people yeah. uh, can get strengthened. We had three different people. Uh, we had the Freedom Fighter, the Bunker Brothers, and the Pot Stirrer. <laughs> those, those characteristics are all challenged by this statement right, right. here in Scripture. Uh, and so the Freedom fi Fighter, did, did you... Uh, have a thought there this is the guy that basically wraps everything that he has in the flag of yeah don't tread on me right or yeah. the flag the freedom fighter is those who are really focused on having their their way yeah. and really not wanting to feel restrictions they maybe yeah. at first were um willing to concede a little bit of that control yeah. but now over time they've felt like they need to have control and responsibility back. And so their main focus is their freedom yeah. and talking about how they can get their freedom back from whoever has seemingly taken it away. For sure. And there's actually, like we've talked about, legitimate things that we need to make sure. Let's make sure these freedoms don't get removed permanently. Right. Let's make sure that we use our voice. Let's make sure that we're clear with those that are leading us. Let's make sure that you know all of this stuff gets talked about. But when that is my main point, my freedom over and above your concerns. Yeah. Um, it can get in the way of group time, yeah. our freedoms. But the second character we had was the Bunker Brothers. And th those are the guys who, you say hide, okay. And they just slipped into anonymity and are saying, not only do I not want to meet uh, with you, that's great, I don't want to meet with those people, but you're also meeting with some people out there in the world. I don't think I want to touch y you or your kids and then if you've met with somebody who's open with meeting with people that are, I also don't want to be around them. We're just slipping into our right. bunker and ready to right. hide. And I, and I think it's important to note, we're not talking, a, a bunker brother is not someone who has a legitimate reason to isolate. Yeah. We have many people in our church right now who are battling Super cancer, who have other um, diseases that are respiratory like they yeah. really can't get this because it is a real thing super important um, but we're talking about those who uh, are not in that category but the the tenor of all of the media and the commotion has caused them to the bent that kind of has been exposed as one of fear and pulling back yeah yeah and that's a super important distinction because we're actually encouraging some folks not to get into groups yeah. because um, when we're talking we have different names we say but could they do this right. and we're actually afraid for them so yeah. yeah that's an important distinction this is my nature is already to not like being around and i want to i want to do whatever i can to stay separated but the scripture says clearly do not forsake the gathering together of believers as is the habit of some because there's something about gathering that knocks the rough edges yeah. off. And then the third type of person is a pot yeah. stirrer. And yeah. this one might hit home for some of us. Yeah. Uh, Are you talking about at the table? Well, yeah. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> what is a pot stirrer in a time yeah. like this? Man, a pot stirrer is just somebody who, no matter what discussion is going on in the room, is the devil's advocate. Yeah. Right? You're saying one thing, oh, yeah, well, I don't believe that. Mm -hmm. Or somebody else, oh, yeah, I don't believe that. Or let me say it another way and they don't actually believe anything they're saying they just like poking or grabbing the headlines and there's frustrations and so they grab a headline 
did you see this or did you see this or did you see this that was negative? Yeah, I, I would describe them intense. as some, yeah, I would describe them as coming into an environment, so maybe a gathering or as they start meeting with other people and they're just frustrated about everything. They don't really have any answers, yeah. but they tend to make everybody else a little bit agitated or irritable after for being sure. around them. Yeah, in fact, I would say that for each one of these folks, the emphasis is not on having an actual legitimate answer. I just don't like this. Mm -hmm. That's the, the problem that is being presented. The thin skin aspect is you're taking away my freedom. You're, taking, you're, you're hitting on my fears uh, or you're, you're poking at my frustrations. Those things are happening in the room and I'm going to flare up as a result of that. What Christ says, or what it says about Christ is that the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. I'm just gonna drink it all in. I'm gonna take all that poison and settle it. Mm -hmm. And if we're gonna be like Christ, instead of inflaming those irritations, instead of inflaming that separatist, inflaming the, the person who is uh, concerned that they're gonna lose their freedoms, inflaming the person who is just frustrated all the time, yeah. We're doing whatever we can to drink in those insults and say instead, hey, I hear that. Actually, here's the, what's legitimate there. I see that, but can we focus on Jesus for this reason? We're, we're trying to make sure that he is glorified at the, at the end of the day and that we're acting like yeah. he acts. So each, each one of these types of attitudes can lead to very strong convictions that yes. their perspective is right. What I think we need to remember yeah. is that being a, a peacemaker, being and that's what it says here, do yeah. what you can to pursue peace and building up other people. Christ was the ultimate example of a peacemaker. Yeah. But we have to be reminded that uh, a soft approach, a gentle answer, the willingness to engage in a conversation is not the absence of strength and conviction. No. In, in the early chapters of the Gospel of John, John describes Christ as being full of grace and truth. He never wavered on the truth, but there was a graciousness in which he engaged people who were wayward. It's critical. And we yeah. need to be that person. That doesn't mean that we're going to cave into a, an alternate perspective that we think is wrong, but that means that as a, a person of Christ, we are going to let love guide us through this season. Yeah. And we're going to listen, we're going to, we're going to remain calm, and we're going to be able to pursue peace and edification. Yeah, Christ was a watershed personality. He would come in with graciousness, present truth, and you had to decide one way or the other. If you were offended, you were offended by truth, sure. but not by the personality. Right. He w and that's what we want to be able to avoid. In fact, the, the statement, the summary question we would have people ask yeah. when they get together with other people is, do, do we leave the meeting agitated and irritated or at peace? If you leave the meeting at peace, it is because you've been pursuing Christ. If you leave agitated and irritated, it's because you're pursuing your own opinion or your own uh, perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So as we approach now the resuming gatherings and yeah. over the next several weeks, um, our church is going to have the opportunity as households to gather with other households and begin to view these online sermons, begin to fellowship together. Uh, we want to make sure that we're approaching this with a, a measure of grace and truth and pursuing peace in the building up of each other. Yeah. So as we uh, wrap up, I always we always like to give some questions now, and now even more, we have potentially yeah. families meeting together. For sure. So as we uh, as we end our sermon, as and as households and families get to talk, what are some questions we'd like for them to consider? Well, uh, three questions. Once again, like we do have every week, with some modifiers on sure. them. And the first one is just a, a 
attending to that last observation. Ask yourselves or, or tell the group, are, are you more of a freedom fighter, a bunker brother, or a pot stirrer? Mm -hmm. And how does that reveal itself in your day-to-day -day character? Yeah. That, that'll be uh, an, a fun discussion. <laughs> right. Second question we have is, can you remember a situation where you have hurt a relationship over a non-essential matter? Mm. How would you handle it differently in light of this passage? And the third thing is, how will you be praying for our church as we begin the process of regathering? Or what will you be praying for on behalf of our church yeah. as we begin the process of regathering? And then I would have you, uh, as a church at home, as a, a couple of households gathering together or as individuals seeing this, begin to pray today for how God will begin to impact us and prepare us to meet together. Yeah. We do believe it's important that we begin to move towards coming together again. Yeah. We want to do that in safety and wisdom. And so as we conclude our time today, I think we should just pray for our church and pray yeah. for those watching. And pray for us. I will. Yeah. God, I just thank you so much for this morning. And I thank you for the opportunity to share this perspective out of the book of Romans, God. God, the call for your church is to be a, a people who lay down their selves for others. You, you, your son set that example for us. And so God, is pray as we begin to uh, slowly move to re reopening, and as we begin to gather together, God, that you would help us, that you would protect us to be careful to not get in the way of what you're doing in the lives of all of us, God. That we would be slow to speak and quick to listen. And that, God, that you would really help us as we move forward put the love of others ahead of our own desires, that we would bear up those who are weaker, those who, who need encouragement, and that we would let your spirit guide us through this season. God, we pray that today would be an amazing day of fellowship, whether we're with another family or by ourselves, that God, we would just be thankful that you are in control of all things. We pray this in your son's beautiful.